What's up? What's up? I've been feeling extra spicy lately and knew it was the perfect time to get my mind right, get my grind right, and release a long-awaited podcast episode. I really have to stop taking these long breaks in between and get back on my disciplined hustle. But anyways, what's new since the last time we spoke, uh, a lot has happened But it's like we've already come full circle and I'm kind of back where I was the last time we talked. So I feel like I'm in the same place. Uh, But there was just like a giant round loop in between. Um, Been busy with the boys, jobs, plural. Be pulling double duty around her. Uh, Spending time working on me and my H's, my health, my house, my happiness. And for my faithful listeners, I know what people actually want to know, like I do. I know the questions people actually want to know and why they tune in. And sometimes I answer them and sometimes I like to just let them hang. Um, But for everyone who follows on social media, I'm going to go ahead and give you what you want and answer the burning question everyone has been in my DMs about. uh, And that's what you get for tuning in. So thank you for being here. Uh, the question, did my boyfriend and I break up? You know, uh, it's weird, right? It's something super personal. So it's almost like you have no right to ask, but also I'm sharing certain aspects of my life on social media. So it's no longer a hundred percent personal anyways. And also the innate curiosity humans have to want to know. I mean, I follow people that I don't know personally, and when things go awry, I'm tapping on my phone like, hey, his pics are down, fill me in. So like, I get it, I do. Uh, And this answer may or may not disappoint, but here it is partially, because I really feel like I could do a whole podcast episode on what really went down, and maybe I will. I'm not not quite ready to yet, Um, but I... But I will answer it to a point that makes it make sense. We had a major disagreement on a very big life situation. Like a very, very big life situation. And it was one that our relationship, which was nine months in, could not withstand. So we tried to rectify things. It was bad. It went nowhere. Um, Things ending badly, that's not even a fair statement. It was like a, a fiery explosion where a car careens down a cliff and is smashed into smithereens and like blows up everywhere. It was more like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we are. And I know you're like, really? It's not even an answer. It is an answer. We did break up. It was not a good breakup. Uh, and it's been about six weeks. I've had time to process it and kind of put things back together And I will say that there is one major positive to... Okay, actually, there's not. There's more than one major positive to being back single. Uh, One is I have my bed back and I can sleep starfish style, which I love. And two, I have more time again to do the things that I absolutely love. Like, I love painting and home projects. If you've been following my social media, you will know that because I have been all over my house lately. And I love podcasting and... I love football season just started for my oldest son and I love hanging out with the moms. Like there are, there are good things. Of course, my heart was broken. Of course, I was sad. Um, still am sad. Of co- There are negatives too, but I'm just saying that it's really helpful to find the positives in a situation and so look for the silver linings always. Okay, like I said, I'll share more later 
when I'm ready, I'm not quite there yet, so just sit tight, but yes, we broke up. This is also my lesson on sharing boyfriends on social media, y'all, because like I don't share anybody except my boy's dad, which obviously he's permanent because we have kids together, but I haven't really shared anyone on my wall since him or besides him. And I'm just going to say like, keep them private unless they're permanent. Because that's how you get into this mess. That's how you get into like people asking and I get why people ask. I'm not mad. That's how you get people asking and people wanting to know. It's like you want to share this part of your life, but then you do and it explodes. And like I shared it when I was like, man, it's not going to explode. This is really real. It's going to, it's going to be great. And like I was wrong. Anyways, you don't want to get bitten in the ass private till permanent. Moving on. Topic of discussion today is one that I've wanted to do for a while now. I don't want to call it near and dear to my heart because that sounds weird when you'll hear the topic, but it matters a lot to me and it's something that I have had to deal with and overcome and I know for a fact a lot of people out there are going to relate and I hope it helps people feel a little bit less crazy, a little more seen, heard, and understood. Um, It somewhat piggybacks off of one of my very popular earlier episodes in season one I think it was episode number eight I believe but it was called sleeping with the narcissist go check it out if you haven't yet if you like this episode you will love that one if you loved that one you're gonna love this one um and people always want to know like how can someone stay in a bad situation how can you not see the truth how can an abused woman keep returning like how can someone not see the harm they're putting themselves in the absolute madness in staying in a toxic situation. The answer, trauma bonds. What's up, my nacho fam? I hope you guys are ready for all the shenanigans that are about to ensue on this motherfucking podcast. Fucking love my intro. Ah, it just hypes me up. Fucking love it. All right. If you've ever been in a relationship that seemed to almost keep you chained in place despite wanting to leave, one that had you second guessing everything about yourself, your worth, your value, your importance in this world, your ability to be independent, if you've ever lied to your friends and family about who you're with, You know if that's you, when you're keeping it low-key and your friend's like, where were you last night? And you are doing everything in your power to lie about who you were with and where you were. You know. Uh, You know when you're not supposed to be with someone. You know you're not where you're supposed to be. If you know you deserve better, yet you stay and you put up with absolute fucking bullshit because you feel like you can't leave, you've likely been trauma bonded to someone. Trauma bond. This may or may not be a new term for you. If it is, welcome to self-help 101. This is a really important concept you need to know. You need to be aware of and you need to recognize when it's happening so you can get the fuck out of there ASAP while you are physically and mentally able because it is a really long road and the deeper you get in, it's like quicksand. It's going to be hard as shit to get out. If this isn't a new term and you're like, oh, hey, been there, done that, 
first of all, I'm so sorry because it is so emotionally taxing and I hope this episode sheds some useful light on warning signs or how to get out of a bad situation and if nothing else allows you to know you aren't crazy, you aren't alone, and you aren't weak for having this happen to you. So let's start at square one for those who are new to this concept. What is trauma bonding? Trauma bonding is an attachment form or cycle of physical and emotional trauma followed by positive reinforcement. So you're going to have some sort of physical, emotional abuse or trauma followed by positive reinforcement. It doesn't have to just be a romantic relationship. It could be friendships, um, parent-child relationship even. But if a person in your life alternates between treating you abusively like absolute shit, then showering you with praise and attention, and you're like, what the hell is going on? And it's this roller coaster, up and down, up and down. You will notice when people say it, like the highs are so high, the lows are low, and you're not ever in the middle. You are up or you are down. A trauma bond can result from this type of behavior. I'm going to share with you a couple of very personal experiences that I now fully recognize as being trauma bonds so you can better grasp how this cycle works. All right, we're going all the way back to my high school days for this first one. I dated a guy who was physically abusive and very, very unfaithful. Um, We were young. I guess I chalk a little bit up to, of it up to that, but like it's still, it's no excuse for someone acting the way they do. See, look what I do. I make excuses for people all the fucking time, all the goddamn time. You know what? Fuck that dude. It's not okay. I dated this guy in high school who's physically abusive, very unfaithful. Um, I did not know this for the first six months to a year, right? We were together for three years total uh, and my dating experience with him when I look back, it was painful, but it was the roller coaster and you get addicted to those highs. I was a straight A student in high school, uh, popular, well-liked, super involved, um, parents' little dream child, and he was in an alternative school, meaning he was kicked out of public school, uh, smoked a shit ton of weed, which I'm not against smoking weed, but he probably smoked Uh, I don't know, like three, four, five blunts a day. Uh, He dabbled with every drug you can fathom. I would have to pick him up when he was on like cocaine benders and was running through people's backyards. It was, he was a fucking mess, a mess. And I have no idea what I saw in him. Um, I drank in high school, uh, but never smoked weed. I still have hardly ever smoked weed. Um, Edibles are different, but... And I've never touched a single drug beyond that. I don't, I don't have any intention to, which cues up my addictive uh, podcast that I talk about. You should listen to that one if you ever struggle with anything um, that, have, that has to do with addiction and addictive personalities. That's a really good episode for you. Uh, but we are polar opposites. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Like opposites attract type of thing. Polar opposites. Good girl. Bad guy. Uh, it's cliche as old as time. My parents were less than impressed, but I was 16. You couldn't tell me anything. I was hard-headed, stubborn, and I was in love with this guy. But as a relationship wore on, the warning signs started going off, and I missed them, or I ignored them. I don't know. Denial is so strong sometimes, especially when you are young, dumb, and in love. It was little things. Like, he started suggesting uh, what I was allowed to wear. Yes, allowed. 
uh, and then telling and demanding what I could wear when and where, when I could wear makeup, who I could talk to, which friends I could look at and not look at, um, which I'm sure this sounds like, what the fuck? And like, you listen to him and it's like, it doesn't come on as fast as people think. It is like slowly over time and it slowly kind of breaks you down uh, and like edges away at you until you all of a sudden one day are just like, wait, who am I even anymore? What has happened? But what he was doing was the beginning of trauma bonding. He would put me down constantly constantly and started in very small ways and then he would pick me back up like how dare you take that or wear that how dare you wear that take it off you can't wear anything like that around anyone except me because you look so pretty and I love you and I want to show you off and I want you all to myself like what the fuck is wrong with you you're such a fucking dumb slut but I love you I love you so much and I am the only one that's ever gonna love you Shit like that. That's how it works. Fast forward a year uh, between him and I, and he was cornering me in a bathroom, ripping my shirt and pushing my face into a wall till my nose was bleeding for wearing a shirt he didn't like. Like these extreme reactions to these situations because we had walked into it so slowly and it escalates. And with any relationship, it's going to escalate. Um, it, it doesn't ever just stay because it's like more fuel needs to be added to the fire the longer you go. So if you are in an early stage where you are noticing any early signs of abuse or trauma bonding, it doesn't get better. You're not going to teach the person to not do it. It's going to get worse. Like you leave those situations. You don't stay and try to fix someone. You leave. But his, his MO with embarrassing me in front of all of our friends and telling me I needed to go home and then he would call me when, when he thought I had been punished long enough and it would ignore me for days. And then when he would call, it'd be like, I love you. I hope we can work this out. I wish you wouldn't make me treat you that way, which is not an apology, you guys. When somebody apologizes and says, but... You caused this? That's not an apology. I understand when people apologize and you are like, I'm truly sorry for what happened. Here's why I reacted the way I did. That's how you can explain something. But to say like, I'm sorry, but you make me do this to you. It's like being beaten by someone. This guy did, this guy did hit me. I wouldn't hit you if you wouldn't do X, Y, Z. You made me do this. Fuck all the way to hell. Like, fuck off. And nobody out there causing anybody to lay a hand on you. Never, ever, 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 ever. So these extreme highs, or I'm sorry, these, the lows will come. And then there's these extreme highs where they pick you back up. They create the trauma. They pick you up. Over time, it's going to program your brain to learn that they are the only ones who can cause the pain to stop. So you cling so hard to them, to these good moments, the highs. And you will live for the highs because when you're being put down, nobody likes to be put down, embarrassed, abused, uh, made fun of, picked at, jabbed at, made to feel like shit. No one likes that. And it sucks. And when it's coming from somebody you love, it really fucking sucks and it really fucking hurts. And you want anything for that to end. And they come back and rescue you, so to speak. And you begin to live for those moments of rescue. You go through the worst cycles and you wait and wait and wait for them to come back and pick you up and it is literally programming your brain that they are the only person that can make the hurt stop. All right, 
The end goal here is for the abuser to get emotional control over you, causing psychological dependence. They want you to need them. They need you to need them or this doesn't work. If you don't see them as the rescuer, this whole facade is done. They want you to be under their control. This dependence that they gain makes it incredibly hard and painful for a victim to leave their abuser, even when they're experiencing more harm than good. An abused woman, why does she go back? Because she is psychologically dependent on him for the high that will come when he does say, I'm sorry. She is dependent on that high to keep going. And he's the only one that can give it. So why does she go back? Because he's the only one that can make the hurt stop in her head. You have to break out of that cycle. But in that cycle, that's what your brain tells you. So if they're the only one that can make it stop, why wouldn't you go back? Because if you leave, essentially your brain's telling you, then you're going to leave in this low cycle and that's it. All right, let's fast forward nearly 20 years and being in a relationship with a narcissist, which is almost always accompanied by severe trauma bonding. You have to listen to sleeping with a narcissist if you think you're dating a narcissist and also get the fuck out of there. If you are and you know you are, you're going to relate to the entire rest of this episode. So here we go. A narcissist will love bomb you. Love bombing, if you remember from from other episodes or you know the term, is that first 90-day stage where they shower you with affection in every form possible. Gifts, attention, love. They mirror your every like, your every dream. Oh my gosh, you want a vacation there? That's where I've wanted to vacation. You want to live there? That's where I've wanted to live. That's your dream house? That is my dream house too. These are your goals? Ugh, mine too. Like we are so much alike. We are so similar. God, we are just, you are, you are my person. We are meant to be. I have never met anyone like you. All that shit. It feels almost too good to be true because it is. It truly, it is too good to be true. If you are stuck in a situation and you are almost like overwhelmed with love, it, it feels good and it's amazing, but you're like, man, is this person even real? Just some people are really good. So I'm not going to say it's always that, but you just, you need to be aware. Oftentimes, too good to be true is too good to be true. Once the facade ends and you hit month four or shortly thereafter, and their true self emerges, that inflated ego, insecurities, and this totally other person that you don't even see coming, you'll be taken down a winding road of emotional abuse and it's going to fucking suck and it will bring you to your knees. For me, it was almost exactly 90 days and everything changed. Everything changed. He began to, like, it was overnight. I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I can't wait to see you. Nothing. Like, we talked all the time, every day, all day, 90, nothing, the next, nothing. I'm like, what happened? I went to bed. That was it. I literally went to sleep and woke up. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Started like six to eight hours. He wouldn't respond to anything. For no reason. And then when he would, it would be like, I just, I need time to think. I'm like, about what? Nothing. The silent treatment. And then it would come back like, oh, I love you so much. And you're kind of like, wait, what the fuck was that? But all I knew is I don't like when I was being ignored for a long time. I did not enjoy that. So whatever that was, I don't want that to happen again. But it would grow to be weeks. Yes, weeks at a time. 
when I would disagree with him or if I said or did something that he didn't necessarily like and he had a lot of likes and dislikes and, and rules, unwritten rules. But when we would fight, the put downs would be severe, meant to belittle me to nothing, to make me feel like I was worthless without him, like I was weak, like I didn't matter. Uh, silent treatment to think about what I did. Silent treatment, if you've never actually been straight up gaslit the fuck up and then stonewalled is is <clears throat> like its own little form of emotional torture. It's somebody that you love. They blame everything on you that you never did. They stonewall you and they give you the silent treatment and they will not talk to you. They will not talk to you. And it is meant to break you down to the point that they circle back around to be like, hey, I miss you. Days later, you're not ready to argue anymore. You're just like, oh my God, I miss you too. Hi, 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 hi. Whatever you did or think you did or they told you you did, you're like, I'm never doing that again. I did not like that. I didn't like that. I don't want to feel that way again. So I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do that again. And for me and this guy, like he would come back and he'd be like, just I know it sounds so crazy because on the outside you're like, this is so not normal. When you're in it, it becomes your normal. You don't know anything different. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow walk in. But for me, it was like our favorite place to go was this certain place in California. And when he would come back after ignoring me for days a week, I love you, I miss you, like, let's get on a plane this weekend and go to California, spend time together. And it's like, think about a real relationship, right? What If somebody is really mad at you, that's not the first response. People want to communicate. They want to talk it out. A narcissist or somebody trauma bonding you doesn't want to communicate or talk it out. There's no point that you have to offer them. They don't give a fuck what your side is. They don't care how you feel. There is no emotional attachment there for them except to get what they want out of you and have control over you. They don't give a fuck. They don't want to talk. That's why they don't want to talk about it. They just want you to feel sorry for what you did not do and make sure it doesn't happen again. And experienced narcissists are good. They are so good. Like they are so good at manipulation. I literally podcast about it and it happened to me. I know what to look for and I feel like I walked right into another situation like that. Which again will be another podcast for another time. Um... Some spend decades trying to walk away from trauma bonds. It took me years. And I was only involved for a little over a year before I fully noticed what was happening. And sadly, some never break free. They cannot stop the cycle no matter how hard they try. They just cannot walk away thinking that person is the only one that can give them a high they need and fix the hurt. That's not true, but they just, their brain, they are so stuck. Trauma bonds are dangerous. They are like quicksand. Like I said earlier, they suck you in slow and then very quickly, very hard to get out of. They keep you chained to bad and potentially harmful situations that can threaten your livelihood, your relationships with others, your sense of self-worth, um, your actual life itself when they're physically abusive. They're dangerous. It is so important to recognize the intense manipulation that is occurring as these trauma bonds are being built. This stuff gets heavy, gets heavy quick. 
Let's talk next about the seven stages of trauma bonding. These will dive deeper into that burning question that you ask yourself, why can't I just leave? It's so frustrating. If you are in this, you are frustrated and mad at yourself and you have your own emotional like journey and roller coaster going on in your head 24-7. So I briefly touched on a few points earlier, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper now. Stage one, love bombing. It's like the honeymoon phase of a relationship. Sudden and intense affection. Gifts, extreme emotional intimacy. What I talked about earlier when I said they mirror everything back to you. Oh my gosh, we have the same goals, the same morals, the same wants in life. I'm just like you. You're the most amazing person for me. You're like my soulmate. I mean, it sounds great though, right? And you're like, hey, that's what I want. I want somebody that's like that. Totally. Uh, It can be. It can be great and it can be harmless. Uh, There's just that dark side to it. And you have to just be cautious. Like if it's going so fast and that feeling of it's too good to be true, that's where you really need to keep your eyes open and pay a lot closer attention. Abusers are going to use this period to create this strong sense of we It's us against the world. We are so amazing together. I've never felt like this with anyone else. Like we can do anything together. It's way too quickly. That's how you know too. It is so fast. I know that when people meet, they spend a ton of time together right away in that honeymoon phase. This is just like a heightened sense of it. A extreme like planning. Like right when you meet somebody... They shouldn't be like trying to take you home or tell you they want to marry you in like the first week, right? Like that's insane. Things that are just a little bit like, I'm sorry, what? Almost too crazy? Like, God, they love me. They adore me. But it's like almost too much. Be wary of that. So they're using this we period to hook their victim, you, by getting them to lower your guard. And they use this period to gain insight into your emotional and physical desires, which will be used against you later. So you put your guard down. You tell them everything that makes you tick, everything that you absolutely love. You tell them your secrets. You tell them things that make you insecure, maybe what you're afraid of or your biggest fears. They're not asking because they care. They are using this to stockpile information that they will use to literally try to destroy you later. You need to keep your guard up. Somebody brand new to your life does not need to know everything about you. Use caution. Stage two, trust and dependency. So once your abuser has you hooked, they can then create a sense of trust, right? Once you're hooked and your guard's down, you can trust me. I would never do that to you. They rush into big commitments, planning vacations, planning things in the future. Moving in very quickly can also be a sign. Like people should want separate spaces, right? You can hang out all the time, but why do you need to move in together right away? They want you to depend on them, not the other way around, because they are in control. The victim will unknowingly become attached. You will. They become your everything. You start isolating from other people. You overly trust and depend on them. Moving into stage three, criticism. So now we are going to start getting into the ugly side of trauma bonding. Because so far, stage one and two, you're like, Somebody wants to love bomb me, and then they want to make it so I can trust and depend on them. Doesn't sound so bad, right? 
It does when it's used in this way very much so it's bad. But now we're to the criticism, the criticism stage. So the abuser has begun to sense the need for love and validation from you. So now they're going to switch it up. Like they see that you love them. They see that when they shower you with praise that it validates you and you're like, oh, that feels so good. Like I love that. They see that. So now they need to switch it up to remind you who the fuck is in control. So do you remember earlier when I said that person that I was in a relationship with would tell me he loved me and kissed me goodnight when he dropped me off and then completely ignore me for days and be like, you're needy, you're clingy. Uh, I don't like something you said fucking a month ago like what um or I love you and then days of silence and then it was like well I was thinking about something on the way home and I realized I wasn't sure about you anymore or I don't really realize how devoted you actually are to me so I just need time to think he knew I was hooked he knew he wanted to switch it up to show who was in control and it damn sure wasn't me because I was like what of course I love you No, I would never do that to you. Why are you being like this? Just talk to me. Please just talk to me. Like a normal relationship, you fight. You're like, please communicate with me. Please talk to me. These people don't do that. They're not going to do that. They're not going to communicate. They will shut you the fuck out for as long as they feel like so that they can come back and rescue you. During the criticism stage, a manipulator will begin to pick apart their victim's appearance or personality traits and draw unnecessary attention to your flaws. It makes you feel less than. It makes you start to feel worthless. It makes you be like, oh my gosh, like, are they going to leave? Like, you try to change things. You try to almost appease them. People please them in a way. Um, And it's never going to be good enough. They will will let you start to climb the ladder. Okay, it's better. You're never going to get to good enough, though. You will never be good enough. From this point on, you will never be good enough for them. So this stage has ended. You are going to now start chasing. This stage should be called the criticism and chase stage because you are now no longer in control and they are going to dangle everything in front of you and you're going to try to do everything to make them want you back and to treat you the way you did in the first 90 days. And I am telling you, this is not a maybe. This is a guaranteed for sure. It will never go back to how it was. And if it does, it's going to be such a small fleeting moment meant to hook you back in if they think you're going to walk away and then right back to where we are. There is no, whoever they pretended to be in the first 90 days, that's not them. There's no finding who you fell in love with. They don't exist. This is them. So they start with these small, almost joking, like put downs, which is fucked up in itself because who jokes about putting somebody down that they supposedly love, right? Like that's not funny. It's not cute. But it starts small, joking, and then it really quickly will turn into straight up insults, belittling, name calling. The blame game is a huge one. Everything is going to be your fault. Everything. Everything is your fault. Followed by dramatic apologies. They can be very grand shows of flowers. Oh my gosh, I've missed you. I love you. Let's never fight again. And you're like, I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't even start the fight. But yeah, I didn't like that, so let's never fight again. The glue of the trauma bond right now is being cemented. That's what's happening. You need to realize that. The criticism and then this dramatic apology, that's the glue. All right, I'm back now. Are you ready to behave? You ready to be good? You ready to do what I say? 
and you're like, yeah, I am because I didn't like how that felt. Bam. They got you. All right, stage four. Gaslighting and manipulation. The two that I fucking hate the most. Most know what these terms are, but just to cover our bases, manipulation and gaslighting are done to make you, the victim, feel crazy, unstable, unreliable, like you're the one to blame for everything. You don't remember what you said or how you treated me? Oh, because it didn't happen, but don't worry. They will implant that memory for you and let you know how you treated them and what you said and twist every little thing that happened so that it is your fault. Like narcissists especially, but anybody who is trying to trauma bond you, nothing's their fault. They take responsibility for literally nothing. Their responsibility sounds a lot like, well, I wouldn't have gotten mad at you if you wouldn't have made me do X, Y, Z. It's like a fake apology. They're taking responsibility, taking responsibility for something is blaming you for making them do something. It's bullshit. Uh, If you can't remember why, like, you made someone mad or the reason you're fighting, it's because there's not one. You didn't do anything. You likely did nothing that your abuser is accusing you of. This is a game, and it's meant to make you as the victim the bad guy all the time. Like, you are such a shitty, worthless person, and you are so damn lucky that I'm with you and that I put up with you after all the shit you put me through. You're so fucking lucky that I still love you. That's how they treat you. You're so lucky. You're worthless, but I love you. So you better keep me around because without me, you're nothing. Um, It's important to note once an abuser has pushed you to your breaking point, they are going to seem calm, cool, and collected as they watch you spiral into a heap on the floor because you are exactly where they want you. They will almost seem satisfied. Like you are losing your mind and they are just calm and collected. Yep, here you go. Okay, well, I'm going to go because like you're losing it again. So I'm just going to leave. And it's like, there's no, it's not a normal fight where both emotions are raised and people are kind of like, both of you are upset or you're trying to talk things out. You're losing your shit and crying and emotional mess. And they are very calm and cool. Like they don't care at all. They don't care. They don't care that you're sad and crying. They don't care how you feel. They're just like, all right, got to go now. It's not normal. I'm even talking about it and I've been through it so many times that it feels almost normal to me because I've been with so many people like this. It's not normal. Once you're with someone in a healthy relationship, you're like, holy shit. The things I put up with are unfucking real. But you won't know that if you stay trauma bonded and you don't leave. You won't know that. You are stuck in your fog. You'll never see what you need to see while you are still with that person and you're stuck in this in this fog that you cannot see out of. All right, step five. Sorry, stage five. Resignation. Again, the breaking point. No victim, no person can withstand this constant physical and emotional abuse So you may try bargaining, people-pleasing tactics, or do what I did, and you just straight up stop asking questions. You stop trying to assert your points or to correct false statements about you, and you apologize and accept. I'm sorry. Like, I would get accused of doing things I never did. I know I didn't do it, but I'm like, did I? Like, did I say that? I don't remember saying it. Later on, I was like, I know for a fact I didn't say it, but I was like, I just, I'm sorry. 
was my fault. What can I do to fix it? I was so tired of being ignored and put down. I just wanted it to fucking stop. So I would take the blame for everything so it would stop. At this stage, you know you're being manipulated. This is, this is the really hard part. You know it. You know and you just want to walk away but you can't. And you're like, why? Trauma bonds. Exactly what we're talking about. You know somebody is pulling shit over you. You're like crying to your friends about it. I want to leave. And then he calls you and you're just like, what? I'm sorry. Like you are totally in a mind fuck at this point. Stage six is loss of self. Over time, your abuser has carefully isolated you and you've already sacrificed your sanity to keep contact with them. So you are just apologizing for everything. You are not spending time with anybody else, really, your friends or family. You are isolated to just them. You are constantly questioning yourself, questioning your self-worth, questioning and wondering if you are the problem. You are losing you. You are losing you trying to chase and appease them. You'll never be good enough. Never, 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 never. Nothing you can do will appease them. Nothing's going to make them happy. You can lose your entire self and they will watch you crumple on the floor and laugh and walk. That's the reality. They've criticized you so frequently that your self-esteem is so low that you don't even feel worthy or confident enough to leave. Physical abusers can make their victim feel like such a piece of shit that they're not even worth leaving. Like, you better stay and get beat by me because you're not even worth going elsewhere to live without getting hit. Stage seven, emotional addiction. This is the final stage, um, but often it's not the last stage of the relationship. This one is the hard one to break out of. The reason it's it's the final but the not last stage, it's the final of all the stages you're going to go through, but this is the cycle that you need to break. So you can cycle through this one over and over and over. Um, and any of the other previous stages mixed in, but this this addiction is what keeps you firmly planted where you are until you choose to break it. This feeling of emotional addiction is so powerful that... It can leave people trapped for years, decades. Um, it is akin to the strength of a drug addiction, you guys. It is that powerful. So when you feel weak for not walking away or you're angry at your best friend for staying in a relationship, please realize the power of addiction for emotional abuse is sometimes just as strong as physical addiction. You've seen intervention. You've seen people hooked on heroin and how hard it is to leave. This is an emotional trauma bond, a complete mindfuck. It is hard to walk away. Just like a heroin user needs their next high, somebody in an emotional addiction, a trauma-bonded relationship needs the high of the next, I'm sorry, I love you, that only that person can give. They are their drug. All of these stages are cyclical. Like I said, everything that we talked about, stages one through seven, meaning there's typically a cool down or a honeymoon period after explosive conflict, right? They have to get you back after they belittle the fuck out of you. An abuser may apologize or make false promises of change. Um, popular one for people who are physically abused. I'll never do that again. I'll never hit you again. They will. And it will progressively continue to get worse. It's never going to change. They will never stop. The short-lived happiness is enough that keeps you hooked. 
like that high from a drug, you chase that high that only your abuser can provide. Breaking a trauma bond is, I bet, I bet by now you feel like, shit, it sounds so hard to get out of this. And it is. It is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's really fucking hard. You have to make a very conscious choice to break it. And it's going to hurt. A heroin user is not like, sweet, I'm going to start withdrawal process today. Nobody wants to fucking do it. It does hurt, but staying put hurts worse. So breaking a trauma bond is not impossible. It's not easy. It's not impossible. It is a fully concentrated effort that's going to require every ounce of strength to turn and walk. And most importantly, you keep walking without looking back. All right, let's land this plane and bring it all home now. How do you know if you are trauma bonded? If the seven stages above are sinking your heart or making it race uncontrollably or you're nodding your head or you feel like I'm reading you your life story, like, damn, she doesn't even know me and she's talking about me. Yep, you already know. You already know you are. But to dig in a little deeper, think about how you consistently feel in your current relationship. A normal, healthy relationship makes you feel supported, secure, confident, empowered, happy, like a better version of yourself. A trauma-bonded relationship is going to make you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells, you're fearful or anxious, you feel insecure all the time, you feel like you aren't worth it, you feel isolated, alone, you're like, man, I hope that he calls me back later. Like, you shouldn't be dating somebody for four months, five months, six months to be like, hope he still calls me back. Like, I hope he doesn't just get mad in the middle of the day and never call back and get mad and not talk to me anymore. That shit's not normal. I hope he doesn't come home mad about something and think that I did something and everything you're doing, you're overthinking. Like, is that going to be taken wrong? Is he going to be upset? You're walking on eggshells all day, anxious all day. Those are very, very different, consistent feelings. Any relationship, you are going to have a little bit of fear or insecure at some point, right? I'm saying consistently. How do you consistently feel? Your friends are going to be very helpful here because they're going to be the ones that are saying, you have more bad days than good. You aren't even acting like yourself anymore. When was the last time you were happy? Pay attention to those things. And if it is you, it's time to break free. This process, it might take weeks, months. For some, it's going to take years, like mine. But I've done it more than once. I know you can too. And it's worth every fucking step. It is painstaking. And it's still worth it. Because someday you're going to look back at how far you've come and realize that you took your power back and you took your life back and you didn't let them win. Finding help and support is going to be crucial to breaking trauma bonds. This isn't something you can do alone. You need help from community centers, therapists, friends, family. You need a support system because when you are feeling at your lowest one day and you are tired and exhausted and you decide to turn your head and look back and it sounds pretty good to run back to that person who is going to be trying to get you to come back, you need everybody to say, "Uh uh-uh, absolutely not and turn you right back around. Do not feel weak for asking for help. If you truly want to break these, you're going to need it. And chances are everyone in your circle is more than ready to help. They've been wanting you to leave 
forever. And they're ready. They're ready and waiting to help you. Most importantly, I've said it a few times, but I'm going to highlight the fuck out of it. You have to cut off communication with your abuser. It's like a drug. There's no, eh, I'm just going to use heroin when I go out at night on Fridays only. No, that is not how it works. You will fall right back into the addiction cycle. To truly break the bond, you have to cut all communication for good. No doors left open. No lines of communication left open. Nothing. You leave and you don't go back. Any ties to your abuser are going to certainly lead to failure at some point. And this part is really tough. If your abuser is a parent or a partner that you share kids with, this is immensely harder. And I'm so sorry because you are not able to cut off all communication. But it's still not hopeless. There are ways like your communication has to be reduced to a mediator or you do it via email only. You reduce it as much as you possibly can. Reduced interaction, you allow, you do not allow any personal conversations to occur. So how was your day? No, you keep it short, to the point, dry, just what is absolutely necessary. They get no access to your personal life. There are no open lines of communication. Sometimes it is best to have things via email or via a third party. And you need to set very, very, very clear boundaries, but you have to enforce them. You have to be strong enough to enforce those boundaries. If you have no rela- no reason to keep the relationship up with your abuser, don't. If you don't have kids, there's no reason to talk to that motherfucker anymore. If it's not your parent, there's no reason. You cut them off. Don't do the but, but, but. You're not ready to go yet. If you're, if you're trying to make excuses for why you need to keep a line open, you're not ready. I know that sounds harsh, but you're just going to run right back. So get the fuck ready, and then you walk. <sighs> to counterbalance that, give yourself grace. I'm not trying to be hard on people. I'm literally talking to myself because I did that. But you need to give yourself grace. You need to grieve the loss of what was, and you can face your feelings. It's okay to cry and be hurt. I know people are going to be like, they're a fucking monster. Why are you sad? Because it happened, I did love that person, and this shit fucking hurts. It's okay to be frustrated, every range of emotion, it's all okay. But it's not okay to live in that space and wallow. Scream, cry, get it out, pick yourself the fuck up, and move on. Start walking. I don't care how slow it is. Start. Validate yourself. Find your worthiness again. Start doing things you enjoy. Do them for you. Stay busy, stay focused on the positive things in your life and the positive people who truly add value to your life and surround yourself with this support system. The ones who keep you accountable, to hold your hand and keep you walking. Those moments where you want to relapse and fall back, they're going to put you back on the straight and narrow and you learn to live again. You learn to live again with the same happiness and freedom you did before. You will feel yourself becoming you again and it feels fucking amazing You feel so empowered. A trauma-bonded relationship is not a death sentence. You can break free at any time. And if you want to bad enough, you will. My heart truly does go out to everyone that are battling these demons as they listen to this, though. It is hard right now. I know it is. If you're in it, you can get out of it. It doesn't have to stay hard forever. I promise it gets easier. You just have to start the process of going. Don't stop. Don't look back. You got this 100%. If you want it and if you want to break free, you will. 
Thanks for tuning in, you guys. I hope this helps anyone dealing with abuse and manipulation and helps you to find the freedom that you so badly deserve. Until next time.